1: Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Coming at you uh, on a Monday uh, after a long Thanksgiving weekend uh, in which the Knicks started off not so good and finished off uh, pretty darn good. Um, and uh, we come to you um, obviously celebrating uh, how the Knicks finished off the weekend with the Hawks. We're, we're going to talk a lot about that and all the ins and outs of that game. But um, we also come to you, uh, with a, a bit of a heavy heart, um, because as I introduced my wonderful co-host, uh, Jeremy Cohen, um, I also do so, uh, with much thanks and praise and admiration for him for even showing up and recording this podcast today. Um, and on that note, um, I will, uh, turn it over to you, Jeremy and ask, uh, how are you doing?
2: Thanks, John. Um, been better. It's uh it's been tough. I I lost my grandfather on Thanksgiving morning. And um it just hasn't been the easiest few days. Um for sure. You know, we we're I've been really blessed to spend as much time with him as I have. You know, this is a he's gonna be ninety seven in a few weeks and survived COVID, multiple cancer scares nearly drowned, uh, almost got into a, a plane crash. Um, I mean like he, he basically had nine lives and, um, he was just a really special person who I cared about deeply and he cared about me. And, um, you know, he just, uh, he was so influential in terms of my education and learning. Uh, when I was in high school, he had me print out a list of SAT words, and he told me to memorize them and for each word that I got correctly and their definitions, um, uh, he would give me a quarter and um, you know, I, I thought I was ripping him off, but I'm sure he'd say it was some of the easiest money he'd ever spend. So uh, he was a wonderful man. Um, I'm going to miss him a ton. And um, yeah. And we, uh, we will
1: do this episode um, in his honor um because uh it it will be a i think by and large a happy episode um in which we are pretty positive and uh you know he sounds like a guy who was absolutely a positive influence on um pretty much everybody he was around and i'm thankful very much that he helped turn you into the uh, fine young man that you have become and specifically that he did that exercise with those sat words because uh, your, of your many wonderful qualities, the, the, um, you know, the wisdom that you spout and the, the verbiage that you use to spout that wisdom is, is probably, I mean, it's up there amongst your many great qualities, I have to say.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: Um, perhaps only outdone by your prediction abilities. Um, And thus far this season, you entered this week um, undefeated in predicting uh, every one of the Knicks outcomes this week. Uh, We are, of course, going to start with the week in review, but I'm I'm going a little backwards because that week in review includes the Knicks going two and one, which means, yes, I finally got my first W on the board. I won the predictions this week, um, which I know you're happy about um, because it means that the Knicks won two and one instead of one and two, which you Unfortunately, predicted, which means you lose. Just want to throw that out
2: there. Yeah, you are such a smug little asshole, but I love it. Uh, It's yeah. Listen again. I'm happy the Knicks went two and one. I'm. I'll gladly take this L. But uh, wow, to to hoist this to the top, I'm going to remember this. I'm going to remember this the next time I am back in the win column. And uh, you're not even going to get more than three words out. You're going to be like, "Hey there, Knicks," and I'm going to be like, "Whoa, what's up, everybody? Guess who won this week?" And that's and basically you do what, that. like, that's what I would do. Um, <laughs> that's what you just did, basically.
1: So. I have so little. Um, so this week, they went two and one, obviously, by starting out beating the Lakers um, in a game I know you were at. That was your first uh, Knicks win of the season, not preseason, right? It
2: was the first Knicks win of the of season the that I yeah. or, or postseason that I've been in the building for since uh, before COVID.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't realize it had been that long. Uh,
2: well, I didn't see that many. Ga- I saw a playoff game. And yeah. then a couple games this year. And uh, yeah, I think the last one might've been the Bobby Portis game or a win against the Cavs. One of the two. So, okay.
1: It's been a while. Um, so it's been a while, um, but it was good. It was a good win. Um, and it seemed like a necessary win at the time, just like the Hawks win seemed like necessary win. every win these days for the Knicks seems like a necessary win and a needed win. And like one, they absolutely have to have, which is interesting for a team that is still even though the way we talk about it, it, doesn't feel like it sometimes 11 and nine and they're two games over 500. And I checked this morning, they've beaten uh, of the top 14 net rating teams in the league. They've beat half of them. Um, you know, which is pretty good. I've uh, also had some bad losses. Obviously they got blown out against Phoenix, but um, I, I feel like the only appropriate way to start our discussion of uh, the team this week is with the guy who was not there. Um, on uh, for Saturday night's win, and that is Kemba Walker. So, Kemba Walker coming off of um, I thought a pretty decent game on offense um, against the Suns. Don't forget, there was a little flurry there in the third quarter where it looks like the Knicks might make a game of it. Uh, Walker scored 10 of the Knicks 13 points during that stretch. Um, you know, I think he hit a three or two, he had a nice drive, he was, you know, he was looking okay. Um, he sat out this one on the second half of a, a back-to-back for rest. And uh, is it a coincidence that the Knicks put forth, uh, it wasn't the lowest point, point total. I don't think they've, they've given up this year. Well, maybe it was. Whatever. They held what had been the best offense in the league by a mile in their previous seven games. Obviously, the Hawks were on a seven-game winning streak. They held them to 90 points. Um Obviously there were some missed shots in there, but also there was some great defense played um, none more so than by Emmanuel quickly who took uh, a large part of Walker's minutes. Um, And, you know, it was just a different, it was a different feel out there. Um, So I will, I will bring it back to you. What are, what are your impressions from this game and, and, you know, from, from the week that we had.
2: It's a great question because yeah, you know, the absence of Kemba Walker, felt louder than him playing. And granted, you know, the last time the Knicks didn't play Kemba Walker, they lost by, I think 17 to the Cavs. Yes. But when you, you know, when you look back at that game as well, it's like Ricky Rubio went eight of nine from three. Yeah. Uh, the Cavs as a whole went, I think 53% from deep. The Knicks shot terribly. Granted, then you look at this game where the Knicks didn't even shoot that well. Uh, they sh- I mean, at least from from three, from the field, they were fine. But than the Hawks, you know, outside of Trey Young. I think they were like four of 17 from downtown. Um, so, you know, you, you could look at both things and be like, well, if this team hadn't shot as many or if this team shot better, it doesn't matter. It kind of evens out in the end, but it, it backs up what the eye test seemingly is and a lot of the analytics as well, which is that this is a team that needs to, sooner than later, maybe stop starting Elf... Uh, <laughs> Oh man, wow. That's oh it, but, Freud. But, but Freud I want his Freud is Freudian. But is I, I want to make a point here because it's not it's not the same in the sense of this. It's not it's not the same. It, it's not listen, Kemble Walker is still a rotation caliber player. It's just yeah. compared to where he was and where he's at now. In that context, he's cooked. In general, he's not. He can find a decent role in the rotation. It's just not as a starting lead guard. You know, like his ability to spot up and pull up. That, that's still there, right? Like he can do things with the ball. He just, he can't orchestrate a starting offense. And we know that the, the lineup that's been played the third, most in the NBA, yeah. uh, and when I say orchestrate an offense, I mean, specifically a starting offense um, or starting lineup, the Knicks uh, starting lineup, generally speaking is now the third most played and it's still in the toilet. And um, I don't think we can say one game, you know, makes all the difference, but I think it, certainly tells a very fascinating story. And it, it shows that maybe either removing Kemba or at least giving him a different role, it's not the solution, but it, it certainly is a solution. And it, it maybe cleans some things up because when you look at some of the numbers with Kemba on and other players on, it's not great. And then when you look at guys like Evan Fournier and Julius Randle, with each of them on and then Kemba Walker off, the numbers just... Flip all the way around, and it's the sort of thing where it's awkward because I don't see the Knicks just dealing Campbell Walker. I think there's there's certainly more empathy there. There has to be this I understand it's a business, and I'm totally fine with the idea of considering trading him. But it's the sort of thing where how realistic is this going to be because of the fact that we saw the Austin Rivers situation, but it's different. It's not the same as Austin rivers. I agree. Um, So it's kind of like, if you're making a deal, at what point do you say, Hey, we made a big deal about this. You came home, you're respected, you're, you're loved by your teammates. Um, I just think there's, there's more to be weighed in this context, but if it's at the detriment to how the team is playing And at the end of the day, Leon Rose and the front office care more about wins, I would hope, than uh, appeasing Cumber Walker. How you kind of work around that. Because it's not an easy solution, even though we might think it is. There's more to it than that, especially in the locker room.
1: I completely agree. And I thought... I thought Seth Parnow, who Knicks fans have not been happy about at times in the past because of his ranking of a certain RJ Barrett, who, by the way, had a very nice game against Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. Probably, I would say, his best overall game he's, he's had in a while. Um, since, which isn't uh, saying much, but yes. Which isn't saying much. Quality, but it was quality. It was a quality game, um, which we'll, we'll take it. Um, shout out to Andrew Claudio and his prize picks entry. Um, I, he had a, anyway, Partner's thread. Uh, it was basically like the Knicks brought in these pieces on offense to try to make Julius Randle's life easier and not quite that the opposite has happened, but like, it hasn't made his life easier. He's taking slightly more tough shots. He's hitting, you know, contested threes and, and contested shots generally at like a slightly worse, worse rate than last year. Not like much, much worse, but slightly worse. Um, and that has made a big difference. And then it feels like to me it's impossible to talk about Kemba. Well, like I, I, to me, the, the the reason why I've kind of been, I guess on an Island at this point, I don't know who, who the hell else would be on. I don't, I don't even know if I'm on the Island anymore. The reason why I've defended Kemba Walker throughout the course of this year is because I feel like there has been a segment of the fan base that it's like, it's Kemba's fault. If you get Kemba out of there, everything's going to be fine. And I think there is a certain logic to that. Um, but I also feel like it's impossible to talk about Kemba Walker without talking about Julius Randall in conjunction, because it's the two of them that have not worked together. And honestly, aside from like, here's the thing we've seen Kemba have stretches where he's looked good, right? He had, he had one against Phoenix. He had one against his old team, the Hornets. He's now led the team in scoring, I think four times this year in, in 20 games, which doesn't sound like a lot, but like, I don't know, considering how many guys put the ball in the basket on this team, I feel like it's a decent number. Um, like he could still do it, which is why I was I'm interested. You said like he's not a guy that's capable of running a starting offense. I wonder actually. I'm not. I don't know what the answer to this question is, but like, if you gave him a good team, right, a good solid team full of guys who were comfortable in secondary roles, right? Like here, here's an interesting one. If you put Obi Toppin as last year's starting power forward on last year's version of the Knicks, and you put this version of Kemba Walker in place of Alfred Payton last year, and it was Walker Barrett uh, Bullock Obi, and Mitchell Robinson knows the well, whichever center, how many games does that team win? are they a 500 team? I don't think it's
2: 41.
1: I don't think it's 41 either, because I don't think we believe that Kemba Walker, this version of Kemba Walker is capable of, of being an all NBA second team caliber player. Mm Mm-hmm. But I also think we see enough spurts from Kemba where on offense, at least, I think he's shown the ability to be 85% of like, maybe not all NBA third team Kemba Walker, but like 85, 90% of like vague peak Kemba Walker, which is, again, as a very long-winded way of saying to put this all on Kemba, I think is a little bit unfair. The synergy with Julius has not happened. There is no synergy. Whatever has happened is the opposite of synergy. But at the same, and, and just to drive that point home, we were talking about it before we started uh, recording, as it were. The two of them together on the court have a negative thirteen point five net rating, um, by via both uh, NBA stats page and cleaning the glass. Amongst, uh, I'll ask you a different trivia question now. Amongst one uh, one hundred and seven two man pairings who have played at least four hundred minutes together, uh, where do you think that ranks?
2: With Randall and Walker.
1: Randall and Walker at negative 13.5. Again, amongst 107 two man pairings who have played at least 400 minutes together as of the time we're
2: recording this. Uh, I'm going to say something like 99.
1: Uh, a little bit lower. It's uh, 104. Okay. And the three that are lower uh, are lineups that belong to Detroit, Oklahoma City, and Houston. And joining them in the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, um, 9, joining them in the bottom nine is another OKC lineup another Houston lineup or another combo, another OKC combo, and then two more New York Knicks combos. And those two New York Knick combos are Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker and RJ Barrett. So there is a common name, which again, goes completely against the point that I am making. However, <laughs> here's the other thing. As I know you know this because I think we've talked about it, Kemba Walker has played 17 possessions this year, Without Julius Randle, we don't have a sample size of what Kemba Walker looks like without Julius Randle on the floor. And what was interesting about the Hawks game is Randle getting his first chance to play without Kemba and perhaps to show, hey, I could still be the old Julius. What did Julius Randle do? He scored under 10 points, couldn't make a field goal, played, deep, played good defense, made some really nice passes. But for only the second time in his Nick career now, Julius Randle has scored in single digits for two games in a row. I don't know what to take from that other than one other stat I'll throw at you. And then I'll, I'll I'd love to hear your thoughts. So Julius Randall, you mentioned, um, you know, when he doesn't play with Walker, it's a lot better. Uh, Knicks are plus 8.7 per hundred, according to cleaning the glass um, with a really good defense and um, a slightly better than average offense. No Julius Randall, no Kemba Walker again, via cleaning the glass, plus 19.7 in almost 500 possessions with a 119.5 offensive rating and a 99.8 defensive rating. They are a markedly better team on offense without Julius Randle in there this year. And again, those are against backups. I get it. And the defense is even is a little bit better as well. This is where we are. I don't know what conclusion to draw from all of this other than that, like things are clearly not working in terms of the starting unit. And I I don't know that there's an easy where the easy pivot is because to me, I don't know that it's as simple as moving Kemba Walker to the bench or just putting Kemba Walker in mothballs and, and sending him on his way. I
2: think you at least have to start considering him at least to the bench before you Take him out of the rotation completely. And the thing is with Tibbs, I mean, how how many times are we calling for Tibbs to do something about the starting lineup last season? And he didn't. He was consistent about it. Yep. Um so it's a sort of thing where unless this really works, and we have a one we have a one-game sample size of of the lineup we saw last night working. Does that mean it can't work? No, it could absolutely work moving forward. Um which lineup are you talking about? Basically Burks and Burks instead of Kemba and keeping everyone else. Yes. So Maybe that is the factor. Maybe just swapping one out for the other. I know a lot of fans also want Emmanuel quickly in there. Um, I'm at the point where I had no problem with Burke starting because Quickly's closing the game. So I, you know, Played 31 perfect minutes. world, right in a perfect world. You have quickly starting playing a lot of the middle, And then finishing the game, but it's the sort of thing where if quickly's out there when it matters most, and he's defending Trey young and Trey young scores two points right in the fourth quarter. And it's basically a garbage time bucket. Then I'm totally fine with it. We know how he impacted the game, even without making shots. He went four of 12 from the field. Um, Didn't shoot great. I think it was one of seven from three. It didn't even matter because the way he orchestrated the offense, he played with pace um, weaving in and out of, of um, the defense when he had the ball in his hands, it was fantastic. Play, pick and roll. Beautiful pass to Quentin Grimes. My God, um, oh, yeah. I mean, like that sort of of mindset. You want that type of player, and again, at this point, that's just not necessarily who Kemba is. He's he's a rotation player, but he's not necessarily a. Let's start with him, and there's a reason he's not closing because Tibbs understands he's not the best player. He's not even the best point guard. He's not second best point guard. Probably not even maybe the third best point guard. Although, eh, no, he's probably he's probably I, viewed as a third best third. Point guard or the third best point guard, assuming Burks is not considered a point guard. I was about to say, like, regardless, yeah, Burks was the starting point guard. (laughs) But Burks is not really a point guard, but it worked. Whatever happened last night, it it certainly worked. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed.
3: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Knicks basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for Knicks tickets anymore, because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that all other sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you could find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. When the Knicks schedule came out, there are definitely certain dates we all circled on the calendar. October 20th against the Celtics, Christmas Day against the Hawks, January 12th against the Mavericks, even April 6th against Brooklyn. Whether on the road or in the garden, TickPick has you covered. Visit TickPick.com slash film school today to save $10 on your first order of Knicks tickets. That's TickPick.com slash film school to save $10 on your first order of Knicks tickets today.
1: Here's the thing. Like, if we just, if we zoom out, um, I know the line of decisions and rotation decisions and organizational decisions generally should not be made based on money, but they are. And that's the reality of the situation. And Julius Randall is owed um, $120 million over the next four years. Um, and I can't believe we have to say that sentence with that tone and with that connotation. Right. Um, I still believe that that is going, that can be a value contract in, in, in the league at large because we've seen enough from Julius to know he is worth the money. And then some. the notion that like, they're going to bench Julius Randall or they're like, I don't know what ship Julius, like just get that out of your heads. It's, it's not going to happen. They need to figure out how to get Julius Randall. Right. And I think the, the solution is to put him in a situation where he is just able to do what he feels most comfortable doing. I agree that that is not happening with Kemba on the floor. Um, now he didn't look terribly comfortable last night, but I agree with you. The offense did look better with Burks in, in in Walker's place. And I thought the offense looked pretty good throughout other stretches of the game where Julius just wasn't really the focus. And he was more of a garbage man cleaning up, you know, offensive rebounds being like the role guy, Like, I think there's a world, there's this kind of in-between world that we've been talking about. It seems like for six weeks, they haven't really found yet, but um, I don't know. I agree with you. I don't, I I think Burks, if they're going to make a change, I think Burks is the most likely starting candidate at the same time. Doesn't that mean Kemba is like out of the rotation altogether because you're not going to have Kemba rose and quickly off the bench. So by that token, maybe it is quickly, but, and people are going to be mad at me for this. Like, there's a part of me that likes quickly off the bench. You know, I made a comp on the post game the other night to Jason Terry during the Mavs years. And like Jason Terry was a bench player for like three, four of those years when the Mavs were a contender, they actually, they won one championship. He was averaging over 30 minutes a game. It was basically just a way to stagger him and Dirk because they were the two most effective offensive players on the team. So like, yes, you obviously with like more typical, like star players, you could stagger, well, both guys are in the starting lineup. You know, Tibbs doesn't necessarily like to do that. He likes to run his units out there for a while, which is why you know Derek Rose got here last year. He was obviously, if not the best player on the team, second best player on the team, whatever. The, certainly, best point guard. He stayed coming off the bench, averaged twenty over twenty five minutes a game. Um, I don't know. I, I would not be shocked if Rose maybe got a starting knot at some point. That to me feels like a way, and then I don't know, Kemba and quickly, is that a lineup we want to say together? I don't know. I just, for as great as the Hawks win felt, I still feel like we're in this place where there's no obvious answer to this, this, this issue. And um, I don't know if you had to guess right now, what, what do you think would happen like moving forward? Do you think we're going to get a change?
2: I think we're only going to get a change if there's a legitimate personnel change. Um, like a trade. Yes. Okay. And, but, but I agree. Listen, I, Think that you can, it's very possible to say quickly is a high impact player and also say, it's totally fine with him being in the role that he's currently in. You know, look, if, like I said, if he's closing games, that's what I really care about. I don't really care who's starting as long as you're getting significant minutes and quickly has trended up that way. Would I like more? Sure. I'd like a few more minutes, of course. But I mean, you said what he played 31 minutes last night.
1: Thirty-one. Yeah, I think it was a. It was if not a career high, it was like right there. In the career
2: high. Right. So that's great. I love it. I'd love to see him. Maybe you know, ad, averaging at least twenty-eight minutes. I think we as fans, a lot of times, we kind of just like want a player to just keep playing and and you know score up to you know thirty-two until there's a breaking point where it's law of diminishing returns. It's like yeah, sometimes it's too many minutes and it's not enough minutes. It's as Tib said, he's kind of in an impossible situation. And I get that. Uh, I see where he's coming from. But I also like the fact that quickly and Obi play a lot together. And if you start quickly, then you're probably not going to stagger him with Obi nearly as much as you are. So if the two of them have a great connection and it's working for each of them, then playing them at their strengths and beating up on second units, that is still influential. I think it's just the idea of him not starting is upsetting to some. And I hear that, but I also just feel like he's in a role that's working for him and that's okay. We we can, we can say that he's excelling in what he's doing and, and focus on that. But uh, in terms of Randall, you know, it's a sort of thing where it's just funny to me because Randall is a second option on a really good team and he's paid like a second option. As you're saying with that contract, I mean, again, how many first options are making max money? A lot. All of them, right? right? Pretty much all of them, unless they're on a rookie contract. Yeah. Um, Randall isn't doing that. He's probably going to make 10 to $11 million less than what he would be eligible for if he hit the open market and got a max. So the Knicks are very aware that he is not on this big max contract. And so it's the sort of thing where when Randall's a second option, he has to play like a first option because the Knicks don't have one. And it seems like when he has to play like one, it usually doesn't work out. And then Knicks are upset. Knicks fans are upset because of the fact that he's not succeeding as a first option. He's a second option. And then when he plays like a second option, but no one else steps up to be a first option, then it's like, well, Randall can't really do this. Why isn't he scoring more? And it just feels like he's in no man's land. It feels like unless he is that all NBA talent where he's just elite and he looks like a first option that Mm -hmm. it's basically like, well, what are we doing here? Why are we committing to Randall? ship him out. And again, like you said, the Knicks aren't going to move Julius Randle. They locked into him because they believe in him. There is no situation where the Knicks are going to say, hey, let's pay you. And then a year later, let's move you. This isn't a Blake Griffin thing because Blake Griffin was also a much different player by that point. This is, we know that you're a very good player and we want to get you the help that you need. And they're working on it. It's a work in progress, right? It's not going to happen overnight. It's really hard to get elite first options in your building. It's nearly impossible but you can as time goes on find a way to to make that happen but right now as i said last week it's that teenage phase it's awkward it's it's clunky it's it's just gross but it can work out and that's the thing it's just other guys have to step up and last night we saw other players step up it's if we rally around the whole thing of a big 15 last year i think we have to keep that similar mindset of everyone has to pitch in and do their part and then randall can succeed but when he's a first option and it's not going well, well of course it's not. He's you not know, supposed to be a first option. And yet it, he has no choice. I agree with you. It, mm, but It's I, funny. I, you said, I just want to say, I, yeah. I look, I, I can't help, but say that when he checked in for the Lakers game at the end, people were groaning. And I felt similarly, it was like the ball is sticking in your hands. It, it things don't flow as freely. It, it just feels like things stop. And so I completely understand with the style and, and with the level of play and how sometimes there's the lack of effort. I hear all of that and that's a problem, but that's not a talent problem per se. The talent is there. It's just a matter of maximizing that talent. And it just feels like, you know, 20 games into the season, what we're seeing is that the talent around him might not maximize him. RJ struggling. Fournier up until recently was not great. Kemba, we're talking about the fact that he's not, you know, really supposed to be doing much because of the fact that he's just not doing much. Mitch is a very low usage player. If you put Noel on in there instead, same thing. So it's like, again, it, it falls on his shoulders and it's not fun to watch, but you know, I, I mean, I was sitting next to a fan at the Lakers game and with all due respect to him, he was, he was saying like, you know, get this bum out of here. And I'm just thinking like, again, it's, it's, it, he's just a miscast player. I think if you have him in a more optimal situation, one that is, better tailored to his strengths which you can get there it just it'll take a little time then it works out but he's not a bum he's he's a second option he's not a bum
1: he is the best despite his numbers this year um he's the best tough shot maker on the knicks um and unless you want to be like well 30 footers are pretty tough to make and emmanuel quickly makes a lot of those yes but you know what i mean when i say tough shot maker i mean like Defense is bearing down. There's a hand in your face. I know it seems like he's missed a lot of them. He has taken a ton of them. And the fact that he's taken a ton of them and made it, you know, enough to remind you of what he was last year. That has value. He's still in. I, I think somewhere in there, the numbers may not show this, an elite finisher at the rim. Um was a world for Julie. There was a place for Julius Randle on a really good team. I am convinced of that. The re, where I'm going to push back on you a little bit and then we'll move on to our game ball and, and detention is in, in two things. One, I think on a team with I agree quickly, Rose, Burks, RJ, who's been struggling, Fournier like none of these guys are first options. Obviously, none of these guys are first options, but they're all. They're all pretty good, and they could all do stuff with the ball. They could all create a little bit. Um, Obi Toppin is in his own kind of category. Even Kemba Walker. I should throw Kemba Walker into that category, into this this first category, too. These guys could all do stuff. And it feels like, I think, when fans are looking at those possessions where Julius gets the ball and it's dribble, 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 pound, 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 and then, you know, whatever's going to happen, it's like – other guys when that's happening are kind of just waiting. It's like, okay, well, Jules is either going to shoot or he's going to get draw the double and I'm going to get the ball and I'm going to shoot. And that creates stagnancy and there's not that much flow. And I think when you compare those moments to the moments that we see the backup units play, especially where all it is is flow and energy and like passing and the whole thing and movement um, that's where the stark contrast comes in. And it's like, you know, That's why I think most people look at those possessions as like not great possessions and and possessions that need to go away. I think there's still a place for those possessions. I do think they need to decrease. And the second thing I'm going to push back on, and I thought it was a brilliant point bringing up Blake Griffin. I think that's a really interesting comp and I'm not going to say the Knicks are going to ship him to, I don't know, what's, what's the, what's the NBA version of Detroit now. Um, well, probably Detroit. I was
2: going to say, uh, probably still Detroit. Um,
1: <laughs> I, I, like Detroit's not going to trade for Blake Griffin right now. I'm trying to think of a team that would, act, like a shitty team that would actually trade for, or sorry, uh, Julius Randle. Uh, I'm trying to think of a shitty team that would actually trade for Julius Randle
2: right now. Um, How about San Antonio? I don't think. team they, that, that wants really? No, it's, I'm just saying, you know. Sacramento. I mean, they, Sacramento
1: yeah. would trade for Julius Randle and what, and who would be the Tobias Harris coming back in that day? They're not giving up. Um, they're not giving De'Aaron up the
2: Fox? Uh, yeah. Fox or Tyrese Halliburton. Like you're basically looking at someone like Harrison Barnes, maybe a buddy heel type player, but again, you, like, if, like
1: that's no, That's the trade, right? That's the, it would be Har- right. I think it would be like Harrison Barnes, right? Like Harrison Barnes coming back for Julius Randle. Maybe it's not perfect. Apples to apples. But like to the to the Blake um, uh, um, Tobias Harris trade, but like something like that. I I mean, Leon Rose and, and has built this whole thing on culture, 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 and family, and Kentucky, and and CAA, and the whole thing. Like, I, it doesn't feel like they do that. But man that was a trade that set up everything the Clippers accomplished afterwards. And I, I, I'm still a fan of what the Clippers accomplished afterwards, despite the fact that they still have not won anything yet. I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting point you brought up that you just missed a little, a little bit quickly.
2: Well, it's more the idea, well, I guess for the first thing, again, I, I'm not disagreeing in the sense that when the ball sticks in Julius's hands and people are kind of waiting around to see, are you going to, are you going to shoot it? Are you going to you know draw a double team and then kick it out? That's infuriating for us as much as it probably is for them. So, I, and that does need to change. I, I want to make that clear. Um, but in terms of the second point, it's more that I think the issue with the Blake Griffin trade, in terms of with the Knicks, is that it's more like the Knicks would rather trade. Again, it's crazy we're even talking about this because of the fact that they just locked him in and he hasn't even started his next contract. But, so, but but so did the Clippers. They had the fucking jersey retirement ceremony to I, get him to. to sorry, I know where <laughs> they had like Martin Luther King Jr. On, exactly. on shirts, and you know you can be an icon sort of thing. I yet yeah, look, it's a business. Well, like
1: thing. if the Clippers could do that. Anyone could trade anyone, you sure. know? 100%. You
2: know? But it's a, but I guess the, the greater point is that for the immediate future, the Knicks are building around Julius Randle. That doesn't mean he is going to be built around forever. It doesn't mean he can't be traded and he's got this no trade clause, which he doesn't. Um, no. It's just a matter of right now, you don't just ship him off. The big thing about Randle, and it's always been this case where if the day came where the Knicks were supposed to do something with Randle, it would be you package him and other things for a better player. I but understand. he's like—it's that philosophy. It's not like just ship him out and trade him because you're then taking a step back if you're getting a Tobias Harris type, right? I mean, they and then even well, then the Clippers still traded Tobias Harris to the Sixers.
3: So, yes, but
1: what, a key difference here: there's no there's no 2019 free agency coming up this summer where you're right. moving Randall's salary to free up money,
2: right? And we look at the star market consistently that's yeah, what we do and yeah. there's no one on the horizon as well and it's it works out perfectly fine because the Knicks aren't going to trade Julius Randle in the short term anyway maybe the long term who knows i i really don't but it's sort of thing where you lock into a player that you are confident you can keep and they did and that you can maintain and if the day comes where you have a better offer on the table then by all means but until then you're building around Julius Randle and if you optimize him the right way then things can go better
1: i agree. it's not going to happen this year um, I agree with you. I just thought it was a very interesting comp that you wrote up that I honestly had not thought of yet.
2: Um, it it okay. was more the idea of trading a player as soon as, or basically as soon as you can yeah. in term after you've signed him. not yeah. period, because we've seen teams say loyalty is great, but this is still business and it is, yeah. but right now, probably next year, it's just not, it's not the right time. Yeah,
1: um, yeah no, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um. Okay. Uh, So someone that we want to highlight or give credit to this week for their performance. Um, As always, uh, thank you to Andrew Claudio for giving us a very nice list of nominees. Um, I always feel like I have to pivot to like something that's not obvious because I I always feel like there is an obvious name or two. Um, No, I'm going to I'm going to go with the obvious name. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take Alec Burks. Uh so I will leave you to choose from one of the more fun options. Um what can you say about Alec Burks? Um, they don't win the Laker game without him. They don't win, obviously, the Hawks game without him. He is there's a reason why I ultimately sided with if I can only pick Burks or Reggie Bullock in the offseason, um, I picked Burks because I think offensive versatility is more important in the league today than um, defensive versatility. And, and by the way, I got a I got a DM late last night from someone. Uh, I'm not gonna say who, but someone who watches a lot of Mavericks basketball, <laughs> basically saying Reggie Bullock sucks.
2: <laughs> and uh, I think I have an idea, but yeah,
1: again, <laughs> okay, not not saying anybody. Um, and that he uh, has, has not been great on defense this year and on offense. It's, I mean, he's shooting under 30% from three. Um, so, you know, uh, all the respect to Tibbs who allegedly wanted to keep Reggie Bullock. I'm not saying at the expense of Alec Burks, but, um, and I get that if you're, if you're a coach, why wouldn't you want a Reggie Bullock on your team? Um, but Alec Burks is, I mean, there just aren't a ton of players in the league who can just, you don't like. They don't need to ramp up. You just put them in the game, and it's like they're going to be what they're going to be. And Reggie Bullock does not need a runway. Um, he doesn't need anybody to create for him. He creates on his own. He could run point. He plays decent defense. He's reliable. Big shot maker. The whole thing. Uh, game ball to, um, of course, Alec Burks.
2: Sorry, I just happened to look down at my phone. Uh, Ennis Cantor is changing his name to Ennis Cantor Freedom. Oh, come now. Anyways, um, once a Nick, always a Nick. Sorry, it just, uh, in terms of with Alec Burks, I think, I think what you're Give saying. Give me a is, game
1: over to Enos Cantor. I think that's the only <laughs> appropriate answer here.
2: The thing about Alec Burks, and I guess the Knicks as a whole, right? You could say the Hawks missed open shots. They were playing without DeAndre Hunter, they were primarily without Bogdanovich. I don't really care. Um, if I. Were Bogdanovich and DeAndre Hunter, I would simply not get injured. Just a thought. Um, no, but but the big thing here is that the biggest issue with the Knicks going into the playoffs last year was they had two starting guards who had no creation ability and shooting ability. Right, and now you go in there and you've got Alec Burks, you've got Emmanuel quickly a year older and and better right? You don't even have Derek Rose, who was a key component to what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're thriving that way because you're creating more offense than you did or you were able to. And even again, if Randall's struggling, you you finally have players that can say, we'll pick you up as opposed to Randall struggling. Okay. Derek, we absolutely need you to be the best version of yourself as possible. Uh, Reggie Bullock, we need you to create. Oh, you, you can't necessarily do that. And you're traveling in transition. And now like that is the microcosm of, of everything that's going on uh, and why this series is going to be gone. All of these little things. And it's just nice to see other players like Alec Burks pick the Knicks up. Um, And that, that I think is a key element that they missed and why they were able to be successful last night and hopefully why they can be successful moving forward. So I think Alec Burks is a great choice. Uh, Some of the other players on the list that uh, Andrew has Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin, um the young guys I mean they're both young guys but the even younger guys of uh the 20 Shit. 21 draft class of Shout Brian's, out Jericho Sims, and Quinn Grimes uh and you know shout out Walt Perrin and Leon Rose for hiring Walt Perrin incredible stuff and uh, in the development team um and then Andrew of course put himself because he took RJ Barrett under 14 and a half points last night yeah. Long long live the reverse jinx Uh yes indeed but I'm uh, I'm going to go with someone else with getting the game ball uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to give the game ball to me because I believed in Evan Fournier, who I'm, I'm really giving the game ball to. Um, <laughs> I went on a limb, did a whole cap or no cap last week about why Evan Fournier, just give him time, uh, what he brings to the table. And I mean, he delivered point blank. Uh, again, I could pick any of these players and I think it'd be warrant warranted, but at least with Fournier, look, he, two of the three games, which were wins, uh, he did great I know you had a stat about how when he's, it's what, more than 15 points?
1: or It's more than, points? he's basically his points? seven, his, the Knicks have not lost in his seven highest scoring games of the season. It's 18 or more.
2: Right. And that's not a coincidence. Uh, no. When he gets going, when he's, you know, like we saw him attacking the rim a little bit more, uh, which is great. We saw him uh, making cuts and playing better off ball. Um, did he hit some really impressive shots that maybe... Your average player wouldn't hit, sure, but, but he can do that. He's an that. above average player. That's what a, he, that's what he, he does. can make tough shots. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, you know, the Knicks have four players in the top 25 for uh, pull up three percentage of players who've taken at least 35 of them. Fournier is, a, I think, the second, he's second at the top with Alec Burks being the first. Mm. So, um, you know, it's it first of the, of the four Knicks. So it's the sort of thing where he just needs the ability to do more with the ball. And when he does good things can happen. They won't happen all the time, but it's the sort of thing where he's able to impress when you give him the opportunity and when he takes the opportunity and we're seeing that as well. So uh, I'm going to give the game ball to him.
1: It's a really good pick. And I'm, I haven't yet decided who is going to get um, my game balls for the weekend for, for Monday's newsletter. And I have a feeling that Fournier is probably going to get left out in the cold um, and that's messed up because like we take him hitting shots, I think for grant, I think as a fan base, we've all taken him hitting shots, tough shots, big threes for granted this season. Like this dude has not been a terrible player. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and if you, if you think like, oh, he's getting you know paid so much money, like he's making, you know, in the, like, here are the players who are making about as much as him this year, miles Turner. Um, Ricky Rubio, Karis Levert, Jonathan Isaac, who's not even playing right now, like Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, Stephen Adams, Markel Fultz, um, Aaron Gordon's pretty good, but he's also just got a nice extension. Um, you know, it's like has he lived up to some of those names? No, but at the same time, I think he's he's done well enough that I, I don't think um, the Knicks should feel bad about about what they gave him. Detention. Oh goodness gracious.
2: Hmm. This is a tough one for me too.
1: It's it's tough. I mean, we just opened the whole show talking about Kemba and yeah, what Kemba's not doing, and 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 the Julius Randall of it all. Um, I I'm gonna. Can I can I put can I put both of them in detention at
2: once? Sure.
1: I'm going to give it to both Julius and Kemba and I'm giving it to both of them because for two reasons, one, I don't think anyone deserves their own detention after this week. And I, I don't, I don't want to make anybody feel like they have earned a whole detention, but I think each of those guys have earned half a detention because each of those guys did not like, it has to take it upon themselves to figure out why they are in the midst of the absolute dregs of the league in terms of combined net rating when they play together. And the fact that we are now 20 games in and those two guys have not figured out how to amplify each other's games. And to the point where it has become, it has become obvious. And I don't, I don't honestly at this point for as much as we could talk about, which direction they go moving forward and how to solve this. What can't be denied is neither. It, it has been a problem thus far. And is a problem that is not just on Kemba Walker. It's not just on Julius Randle. It's on both of them. So um, I'm going to give them a combined uh, detention, figure it out guys, because if you can't figure it out, then like some, someone's going to be left out in the cold. If not both players somehow, I know you don't think Julius Randle is going to get traded this year, but like, You know, again, life comes at you fast and then Leon Rose is not going to sit around just fucking waiting for, for this thing to sort itself out.
2: Well, I think it's pretty obvious where if that pairing doesn't wind up working out, who gets the short end of the stick? Um, Yes. It's, (laughs) it's going to be the guy who's 31 years old on a much smaller contract who was not invested in by the Knicks.
1: By the way, we, I remember when he signed that contract, we, we didn't really care that if it was a team option or a player option or whatever, but like it's, it's I believe it's no option was the final reporting on mm-hmm. that. That, uh, straight to you years. know, interesting at this point. I wonder, I wonder how that would affect things if that second year was a player option. Um,
2: just yeah, I, I mean, it's the sort of thing where the, the two years make sense because it lined up perfectly with this contract, but I yeah, also, I'm not.
1: I'm yeah, not saying but, they, they deserve blame for like inking him to two years. I'm just, I wonder how it would be different if they didn't sign up for two, four years. That's
2: all. Uh, yeah. I will say this though. The, the perfectly fine thing about having him under contract guaranteed is that if you get to the point where you move him, if it were a one-year deal and you wanted to move him, you'd have to move him by the deadline. But now it's like, okay, there's the deadline. There's the draft. There's free yeah. agency. Yeah. You have that ability. And I'm sure that is why the Knicks didn't say, look, I mean, they're going to operate above the cap. So using his salary and whatever you want, if it's going to be this summer, then that is exactly what you want, right? If there's a sign and trade situation, um, if you're just moving him for another player, it all works because you can have that flexibility and that team control. That's what the Cavs basically did when um, Brock Aller was there. Um, they they signed players to long-term contracts so they could move them if they wanted to. This isn't a long-term contract, but it's, it gives them more flexibility to do what they want. Um, this is going to be bad podcasting, but I have no choice but to agree with you in terms of it being Randall and Walker because so this is bad podcasting.
1: Well, only bad, co- bad podcast
2: hosts. That's true. Um, and here we are, uh, you know, again, like Knicks went two and one and they played some of their best basketball. I thought this week compared to what we've seen and, you know, pretty sure I blamed Tibbs last week. I'm not going to do that. I thought, he was far better, but he was also forced in some ways to do that. But regardless, he he made the decisions. I'm not, I'm not going to critique him for that. I think he did a great job this week. Um, And then you look at the other players and, and who's available. And in, in terms of who didn't play well, like we could talk about RJ where short of one game uh, they did well, he's his uh, slump certainly continued. So, um, all right, you know, maybe I'll just, I'll, I'll say RJ as well. So we can get a little bit of, uh, of, Mixture going on here. I mean, he's been terrible. I don't know how else to say it, just flat out egregious, but it's the sort of thing where it's similar to Fournier. And I say similar, not the same, because of the fact that Fournier has a much stronger track record. Uh, in terms of like he didn't just forget how to play basketball. We know that he's a good player. He's figuring it out, slumping, and it seems like he's hopefully coming out of that. With RJ, hopefully it's Similar, but you know, I mean, this isn't the stretch that he went through last year. This is much worse, but I still would bet on RJ Barrett. Um, I think, you know, just saying that maybe this isn't the player and we've seen shades of someone who can be really good. Um, that's fine. I I think that it's just, he's going through something. Hopefully he snaps out of it. It's a very bizarre step backwards, but, um, I don't want to say it happens because it doesn't always happen to players, but it's the sort of thing where he's just struggling and you hope that, you know, each game he figures it out a little bit, builds some more confidence and snaps back to what he's doing. Um, Was, was it, was it on purpose or I guess was, was it uh, possible that Kemba Walker not being in the game helped RJ Barrett play better? Maybe. I don't really know. I, I'm I'm not prepared to say that Kemba Walker is the reason why RJ Barrett is holding no. being held back. I think RJ is holding RJ back. But um I you know, he did seemingly fine without Kemba. The world went on as planned. Um hopefully RJ can continue with that, but it's something to keep an eye on where if maybe maybe it's just he's not really fitting in and he's he doesn't like the fact that he's being relegated to a spot-up shooter in a lot of ways, but he's also missing easy bunnies and. and
1: yeah, it hasn't playoffs. just been the, the spot. It's not just Kenba. I, so I
2: think yeah,
1: I think it's fair you throw RJ in there as well. Um, again, had a nice game against the Hawks, uh, and and also we should clarify or specify. Um, other than a, a little blip midway through the season, um, RJ's defense has still largely been very good. Um, and he's, you know, he's not like dogging it or anything. He's still, he's, he's helping the team win games in, in other ways. Um, and then the last thing before we make our predictions, you know, we focused a lot in this episode on, on offense and how the offense can get better. And what are the issues on offense? Um, the thing that, that certainly can't be denied uh, with last night's performance is that without Kemba Walker on the floor, this team is, is just, it's night and day difference in terms of defense. Um, and you know, we, I, we kind of take that for granted. I've taken it for granted because I never thought the defense was going to be a problem. Um, sure enough, over their last 10 games, the Knicks are a top 10 defense. Um, I, I think the defense will be okay. Um, but yeah, just, just throwing that out there, um, which is a perfect transition too. Um, whether we think the Knicks have actually really figured things out, or whether this is still going to be a bit of a slog until, as you alluded to earlier, perhaps roster changes are made. Um, predictions. So this week, Knicks are going into Brooklyn. Uh, oh boy, um, to face the Nets on Tuesday, and then they have two home games. Um, home games against the Chicago Bulls, who are a little bit up and down of late. Um, more than they have been to begin the year. And then the Nuggets at home on Saturday. Um, Nikola Jokic is back and healthy, um, but Denver has also had a bit of an up and down year, even with Jokic in the lineup. Um, Michael Porter Jr. remains out with a back injury. They're obviously still missing Jamal Murray. Um, But that's... TJ
2: Dozier went down.
1: TJ Dozier went down. who has been playing important minutes for them. So, um, an interesting week. Um, So, do I want to pick... Do I want to be... Do I want to be bold and optimistic or do I want to be dour? Um, I am going to take a page from your book last week and hope that I am wrong. And I'm going to go with one and two.
2: I thought you were going to take two and one. Did you? I really did. I thought you were going to be optimistic and say, you know what? I'm feeling good about my first win of the season. And, uh, (laughs) but uh, yeah, you know, I think, I think one and two is a very uh, sensible choice, but I'm going to go two and one i mean i really i'm not gonna go three and oh, i'm not gonna go oh and three so uh two and one makes sense you know i'm just talking it through i think the nets game that's gonna be a tough one 100 percent. but with the bulls you know it's been close and both those games are in chicago although the knicks have not been good at home uh and then denver still is somewhat depleted very curious how they uh how the knicks handle that but um I one thing I you know we said it and it still is just mind boggling to me, but the fact that the Knicks are in the ninety third percentile defensively when Julius is on the floor and Kemba Walker's off the floor, it's just nuts. That's just crazy stuff. But um,
1: I uh, bonus bonus prediction. Yep. Um, what should I set the number at? Over under. minutes per game that Kemba Walker averages
2: this week. This week. Ooh. Um, what is he at right now, John?
1: Uh, he's over that number for sure. I'll look it up Mm -hmm. right now. Um, but yeah, he's definitely over that number.
2: I'm going to say over because I think old habits die hard, but again, there's, there's, it's a small sample size of the game against the Hawks, but it's a
1: good one. Tw- 24 and 24 and
2: a half. Okay. He's out right now. So, well, in that case, I mean, man, that's a really, that's a really good number to set. Cause I mean, that's basically where he's at right now. Um, you'll say over. Okay. I, but, but now, now that I know it's only 24 and a half, I um, uh, it depends on Rose. I think that's a big, factor 2. If Rose is still out, then it, it kind of changes everything because then you're probably going to lean a little bit more on Kemba than you might beforehand. So, I'm going to say Rose comes back, the Knicks don't have a game until Tuesday or Monday? The T- Tuesday, game is- yeah, they
1: have two they have two games off. Now. Tuesday.
2: So that will mean days Rose off. will have gotten over a week's worth off. And he was rest. doing
1: some warmups and stuff before the game in Atlanta, which like who the hell knows he's older. Right. So I don't know what that's going to so, look like,
2: but I'm going to say Rose comes back. And if Rose is coming back, I'm going to okay. switch my answer to Kemba playing under 23 and a half by just a bit. Um, I will do a half.
1: I will go under. And I will just say, we're talking about this team right now after the 20 game mark. Um, I think by the 40 game mark, this Kemba Walker situation will have resolved itself either by him playing better him, the starting unit playing better him being sent to the bench, him being traded, him being something, um, and he, he, he can be traded as of, I believe, uh, December 19th. So we're, we're, we're inching up December 15th. Yeah. We're inching up on that date. Okay. Um, I have to go because um, I have uh, a wife who uh, needs me to watch some children right now. Um, I just want to thank you one more time, Jeremy, uh, for coming on here on uh, during a week where uh, you certainly had every excuse to tap out. But you are a champ. And uh, anything you want to plug or promote before you get out of here?
2: Um. Just tell the people you love that you love them because you just never know. Never know when the last time will be. So um, I, that's all I ask for for those of you listening. Just uh, give someone a hug, give them a call, whatever it is. Um, so, yeah.
1: Amen to that. Uh, you're a wise man jeremy cohen learned
2: your, it from your, your grandfather. grandfather
1: did well <laughs> all right uh and everybody out there thank you for listening to another episode of the nicks film school podcast we'll be back with you uh, for more fun and games very soon take care